Good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of The Synopsis. I'm your host, Jason, of The Detailing Mind. So today we're stepping into part five of my uh, series that critiques the various songs of the heavy metal band Metallica. So today, on the fifth installment, we'll be looking into their fifth studio album that is the self-titled Metallica album, also known as the Black Album, mainly because its album cover is predominantly black, black on a slightly lighter color or shade of black. So um, I figured it'd be a great time to jump into that. And then later on in this week, if not month, then I will be looking into Load and Reload, so I'm hoping to round out those two albums by the, at least by the end of this uh, month, if not hopefully later on this week. Um, but for now, we are going to look at the infamous Black Album by Metallica. So this album was released by Electra Records on August 12th of 1991. Definitely a long time ago. The members are still as follows from the uh, previous album, and Justice for All. Um, James Hetfield on vocals, Lars Ulrich on the drums, Kirk Hammett on guitar, and Jason Newstead on bass. So, second rendition that people, second era, if you will, of what people come to know of Metallica. Um, so, kind of going from start to finish here uh, on their track listing. First song is uh, Enter Sandman by Hetfield, Ulrich, and Hammock. Hammett. It's uh, basically about uh, overcoming childhood fears and nightmares. And uh, despite the fact that, uh, for starters, I didn't really know about uh, this uh, interpretation of a song, this understanding of a song. Um, I always just thought that they were just kind of rewriting an old uh, boogeyman story uh, for kids, you know. So I always thought that the uh, the song was overrated. Um, I think it was definitely overplayed because that it seems to be a staple of uh, songs that are played at any sporting event or any, you know any radio station that plays rock music, I mean, it's just kind of, you, you almost hear it like once a, an hour, it seems like, and so it's become one of those songs that have been so overplayed that it's just annoying, um, but I did realize, you know, that uh, reading through the lyrics and some of the uh, interpretations of it, that it's more than just, you know, ooh, there's a boogeyman underneath your bed, it's actually a song about being able to overcome some of your childish fears, nightmares, stuff like that, and not letting them, uh, you know, basically kill you over in debilitating fright. So that's kind of nice that there's actually a little bit deeper of meaning behind it, but still the effect that it's overwhelmingly a overplayed song, I'm going to give it a two on this one. If it wasn't so overplayed and such, such a, uh, repetitive song they hear over and over again, I would have given it a three, but, you know, because of, because of it being just a, 
ad nauseum uh, repeat, it's a uh, two on my list. So, um, fortunately, Indiana Sandman stays at two. I'll listen to it, but I don't like it. I don't dislike it. It's just overplayed. Next up is Sad But True by Hetfield and Ulrich. This song is uh, basically how, you know, alcohol abuse, drug addiction, any kind of vice that takes control of you, it, it, in a way that it creates a, a quote-unquote darker you. It generates a you that you don't really recognize. And it controls your life. And this is kind of a... Uh, kind of like a, a, a variation to Master of Puppets, but it has a little bit more understanding in, in that whoever the the, uh, the song is singing about in this particular instance, it's one of those items where the, the person with the addiction or the vice in their life starts to recognize that they're that when they look in the mirror they're looking at somebody else that's not who they are so there's kind of like that self-awareness that kind of is there too where they realize oh man this is really making me into a darker uh, a meaner version of myself that I can barely recognize you know but at the same token there's still those bits of denial in there too so definitely a, a song about internal struggle when it comes to addiction and how it can create a darker you, a you that is hard to recognize, but must. And for that, I give it a three on the list. It's, I, I, I like the song, but it's not one of my favorites. Uh, moving on is the song Hoyer Than Thou by Hetfield and Ulrich. And basically, the, the easiest way to boil the song down is it's a song about self-righteous religious people being... Uh, being hypocrites, you know, thinking that they are better than other people, but then they turn around and they just, you know, be just as uh, horrible as the people they deem to be when they look down their noses at others. So uh, this is definitely a four on my list, one of my favorite songs. Not sure if it'll make the top ten, but it's definitely up there in one of my favorite songs that the band does. Moving on is The Unforgiven, written by Hetfield, Ulrich, and Hammett. And this is a song about somebody who starts to question societal or cultural norms, whether it's the, you know, the, the system that they live in, the, the, the religious norms, societal or cultural expectations... Uh, they basically start to question all those, all these things and in the end choose to walk their own path and kind of flips the narrative on their head where, you know, when the, something like this happens and people start to make these profound questions about society, whether it's religious, political, economic, cultural, what have you, um, when people start to make these, and start to ask these questions and, and start to come to realizations, the reaction to them is that of, oh, well, you're, you know, we can't forgive you for this. You know, how dare you step out of line? How dare you question the uh, authority figures, you know? And in the end, 
despite this kind of cultural shunning, the the, the voice of this song, whoever this song is, is meant to represent, that, that person is like, well, you know what? Screw all these expectations. Screw all these uh, standards, these traditions that society and religion and politics, etc., etc., is 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 placing on me. I'm gonna go my own. I'm gonna walk my own path. And in the end, it's you who are questioning me that are that's the unforgiven, not me. I'm not the unforgivable one for questioning society and and, and uh, its rules and and its uh, norms. It's you who are just being lemmings, that's the unforgiven one. We're giving up your, your, a sense of agency, if you will. Uh, so definitely a really good song. Uh, I give it a three. I like it. It's not one of my favorites, but it's a good song. You know, it's, you know, it's kind of more of a ballad in a way. Uh, but it's still heavy. It, it's still a really good song definitely not what you expect from a heavy metal band that uh, is kind of uh, you know centered around thrash or speed next up is the song Wherever I May Roam by Hetfeld and Ulrich and it's about a, a vagabond uh, who's always on the, the, the move who's always roaming and at the end of the song you see that uh this guy, this this vagabond, is a true vagabond because it mentions at the end that even when his body lies at the at, you know underneath the gravestone, he will still roam, signifying that his spirit will continue to roam and be a vagabond, just like he was in life. Always on the move, always roaming, always kind of wandering. Um, wandering but not lost if you will um, and so that's kind of a, I think a really cool uh, way to look at it uh, I rank this song a 4 just because I just like the, the I like the idea of it because in a way it does kind of apply to me in my life um, I am always on the move constantly moving from one spot to the next Outside of my first 18 years of life, when I was living at home with my parents, uh, beyond that, I only stayed in one spot for about uh, four years. Um, That was in the western New York state area. And now actually, I think coming up here shortly... uh, me being in the Chicago area will now be the longest stint I've stayed anywhere. So, um, and that's five years. So basically, I'm looking at in, in my life since 18, I'm now 39. So, basically, in the last 20, 21 years, I have spent half, about half that time, nine years of that time, in only two locations. All the other times, it's been two years here and there and what have you. Now, one could argue that um, the central part of Kansas, because I kind of jump between three locations all within an hour of, away from each other, that that technically would count as one. Um, but, I mean, technically, it was two years here and there and, and uh, in the third place. 
So, um, I guess you can kind of count that as, as being part of it. But then that would also mean you'd have to count uh, Erie as being part of the uh, western New York area. And I don't really do that either, you know. But, uh, um, anyway, I do like the song Wherever I May Roam. I rank it a four because, in a way, I kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of a perspective on, on my life and how I've moved around for my job multiple times. Um, and it, it's tough, you know, it, it's a tough life. It's definitely a life that, uh, band members like Metallica would, would face always being on the road, always doing all this stuff, never really having a home life. And if they do get some sense of home life, it's always, um, tough just because of them being on the road. So, um, yeah, it's, you know, I really like the song because it kind of speaks to me in a way like it does many others. Uh, next up on the list is Don't Tread on Me by Hetfield and Ulrich. And this is kind of the stereotypical, you know, don't mess with me song that you see a lot of bands doing. It's also, you know, can also be seen as a very stereotypically patriotic song as well because there's some lines in their, in their verses that... Uh, kind of um, correlate over to some of the, the sentiments of the, uh, you know, a period of the American Revolution and this, like, libertarian idea, you know, about, uh, you know, being free and, you know, having liberty and blah, 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 blah. So, uh, for me, it's one of those things where it's just like, you know, it's it's a good song. I, I, I do like it. Um, or at least I used to like it, but for me right now, it, I rank it at two. It's I'm I'm indifferent about it. I'm neutral about it. You know, it's it, there's some aspects of it that are good, but other aspects of it are kind of stereotypical, and it's just kind of annoying, you know, at this age of my life. So that's kind of where I stand on the song. I definitely think it was would have been ranked higher, probably a three, if not possibly a four. If this was like 10, 15 years ago, like back when I was in, in uh, college, you know, or just shortly thereafter, when I was still like really into, uh, you know, heavy metal and uh, still am, but, you know, not quite as much anymore. Um, but, I mean, I used to be really into it. I used to be really into Metallica, especially in college and, and high school. And for me, you know, this song was like, it was awesome, you know, it was, you know, freedom from parents, you know, nonsense. And then, then we all grew up, you know. So that's kind of the attitude I have about it. But that's not the only way that you can, you can interpret it or apply the meaning of the song. So um, I don't hold that against them too much. It is what it is, but same token, it also is what it is. So I give it a, a neutral ranking of two. Um, next up is uh, the song Through the Never, written by Hetfield, Auric, and Hammett. And this is a really great song, I've always liked this song, and it's really about, like, the vastness of space, you know, how our universe, how our, how the universe, and not not just our galaxy, but the universe is such a, uh, mysterious place, and here we are, measly little humans sitting on a, uh, a small planet in the back water parts of the galaxy, trying to figure out how to survive, how to, you know, how to have any kind of meaning about what life is, what it's about, 
what the rest of the galaxy holds or what the rest of the universe holds and what's it, what, what, it, what it all means, you know? Is there, does it have some sort of meaning? Does it have some sort of, was it built based off a will? Or was it just, you know, a random creation, you know? Did it randomly just kind of generate out of one super tiny ball of uh, superheated gases, you know? Where all of our, all the minerals, all the elements were found, you know? Um, so I really like this song just because it kind of, you know, it really, you know, ponders about how vast, how unknowing our galaxy, even our own world really is still, you know? Uh, so I give this song a four because I just like the, uh, you know, the imagination that it kind of conjures up, you know, it, it's vast, it's mysterious, and it's also intriguing, kind of gets us to ponder things. So I give a, Through the Never a four. Next up is the song Nothing Else Matters. It's a, a ballad by, written by uh, Hetfield and Ulrich. And like I said, it's, it's a ballad. It's about expressing your feelings for or to a romantic love interest or partner. Now, this could be something where you're already partners, you're already in a relationship, and it's the process of kind of breaking down those walls and further being able to open up to them. You know, as it's, it is a process. You know, you don't go from zero to the, uh, completely open with somebody just like that. It takes time. And you can be in a very committed relationship and still have walls up that it takes, could take, you know, even decades of marriage to uh, break those walls down, you know, um, but, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's just a ballad, it's, it's a love song, it's, you know, about opening up, feeling more in, feeling that, that they can be more intimate with, with a love interest or a partner, and part of that includes expressing their love for that partner and being like, hey, you know, Here's all of me. I love you so much that I'm willing to expose all of me to you. The good, the bad, you know, the the innocent, the guilty, all of it. And I'm doing so because I love you and I hope that you feel the same way about me. You know, so definitely it's a really good ballad. Um, I rank it a three. I was going to rank it a little bit higher, but um, I, I rank it a three. Um I might change that, but we'll see. Um, next up on the list, the ninth song on the album is Of Wolf and Man, written by Hetfield, Ulrich, and Hammett. And it's taken from... <coughs> excuse me. It's taken from the, the perspective of the werewolf side. It's a man who actually enjoys transforming into a werewolf at night and just running free, you know, running and being wild in, in uh, the forest, you know, and doing werewolf things, you know, so I like it, it's a four, you know, it, it kind of, in a way, it's kind of, you know, it's metaphorical for enjoying being wild, enjoy um, being a, a more wild human, you know, that, that side of humanity, that, you know. Not always having to be 100% civilized and proper and, and primp, and, you know, and and uh, 
being able to go out there and just enjoying being being wild every now and then, being you know, being on the quote unquote crazy side of humanity, you know, as opposed to the uh, completely uh, logical and, and uh, you know dry side. So I, I do appreciate this song you know, of Wolf and Man. It's just you know, it, it's a great it's a great song. It's talking about you know enjoying the wild side of being human through the lens of enjoying the wild side of being a werewolf. You know, it's a great, uh, um, it's great. I like it. So there's that. Um, I ring it a four. Always been one of my favorite songs on the album, so it's going to be uh, one even now. Number 10 on the list, The God That Failed by Hetfield and Ulrich. And overall, it's it's about the failure of religion and faith to address someone's struggles when there are logical solutions present that can, you know, fix or help uh, mitigate that problem. But it's also about the pain that such blind faith can cause others, especially when they're close to the person that's struggling. And the person will rather pick religious blind faith over scientific, logical, sound solutions to fix a problem. Uh, How this song came about is because the lead singer, James Hatfield, came from a very strict, conservative Christian family. They call it Christian scientists, which doesn't even sound right. But basically, they believe they don't. They don't trust science. So when it comes to medical things, they believe that faith and prayer will heal. That uh, that God and Jesus is like the ultimate form of um, healing. They that 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 God is their physician. Nobody else is. No man. No human. Nobody. So the only healing that they need is the healing of prayer or through prayer. And that is what happened with his mother. She got really sick. I always say it was with cancer. And if I recall correctly, she found out about early on, but she didn't want to, you know, she didn't want to uh, rely on science and, and medicine, you know, and stuff like that to help her out. And she chose to just pray it away. And then when that didn't work, she just doubled down and prayed more. And then she ended up dying from it. And I guess, the you know, it caused a lot of strife in the family. It caused a lot of problems in the family, you know. Um, and it really caused a lot of trauma in Hetfield's life, you know. And to be honest, we're, we're, we're seeing that now. You know, we are, we were, we, we, there was a report, uh, there was an article that was written back during COVID about how um, somebody was trying to get a transplant and they refused him the transplant because he refused to get the COVID vaccine or to take any steps to help mitigate himself from getting COVID. And he was a, he was a high risk at getting COVID and possibly dying from it too. But he refused to do it because, you know, that was the conservative narrative at the time conservative Christian one and he refused to get it and he ended up dying you know and people you know of course the the talking point from 
conservatives was is, well, look at that. This, this guy's being refused his, uh, medical treatment based off of his political uh, opinions or beliefs. You know, how dare the quote-unquote left, how dare medicine, how dare science do this? But this is something that's done all the time. If somebody is a smoker, transplants can be denied to them under the assumption that, uh, well, this person is not going to take care of their body. They didn't take care of it before, and if they continue to smoke, that means they're not going to take care of it again. So why give them this new um, organ if they're going to just misuse and mistreat it and not maintain it, you know? So their idea is, well, we're going to go and give it to somebody who's actually going to take care of it because it's a gift that's being given to them, you know? So kind of the same thing. And then that's kind of what happened here with Hetfield's family when it comes to um, Hetfield's mother. She kept refusing medical treatment, kept refusing to acknowledge the validity of the science, and instead resorted to religious prayer and... As a result, she died because she didn't get logical, proper treatment. So that's what this song is about, about how religion and faith is is a failure. Because it doesn't address anything. You can't pray it away. That's not how ailments like this work. It's a medical issue. It requires a medical treatment. I rank this one a four just because it, it you know... It's, it's relevant. It's relevant to me personally, but it's also relevant to society that we live in now, especially given the whole COVID uh, phenomenon and, and the, uh, the backlash by conservatives when it came to dealing with COVID. Next up on the list is the 11th song, My Friend of Misery, written by Hetfeld Ulrich and Jason Newstead. And it's basically, it's, it's a song about, you know, pity, you know, how people like to be sorrowful and they, they like to spread their pity. It's like basically, you know, one big pity party. How, how basically how pessimistic people wallow in self-pity and then insist on, they share this pity party amongst everybody they can and, and, and make, basically make everybody else's life you know, miserable. And, uh, I rank this song a three. I do like the message of it. And the other thing about it is too, is this song was originally supposed to be an instrumental kind of going in line with how they do one instrumental, every single album. Um, my friend of misery was originally just supposed to be an instrumental, but the more they played it, the more they uh, tried to tweak it, the more they realized, you know what? We can put words to this, you know, and that's what they did. They ended up putting words to it. They said, you know what? Let's not make it an instrumental. Let's put words to it because they kept finding some really, really good material. And so they said, well, let's let's not let the, this uh, these good lyrics go to waste. Let's apply them to the song. We'll just turn it into a regular song and not an instrumental. And lo and behold, there was uh, My Friend of Misery. Although a caveat to that is it still played as an instrumental, uh, at least when they played it when uh, Jason Newstead was in the band. That was kind of like his, his 
his uh, bass solo, uh, his instrumental that he got to do, you know, when the rest of the band members wanted to uh, take a quick break and maybe switch up guitars or, or what have you. Um, basically, it was like an interlude that uh, Newstead would come out there and play My Friend of Misery because that was a song that he had quite a bit of uh, musical, you know, participation in. He was able to participate in writing this song, you know, the, the music and the lyrics. And so this is his um, his song, basically. So um, even though it was originally meant to be an instrumental, it was changed over to a regular song with lyrics for the, uh, for the album. But in all reality, during their live performances, it's still an instrumental, uh, something that Jason Newstead uses, and I kind of like it, you know. Um, I ranked it a three. I would have ranked it, you know, a four had it remained an instrumental. Uh, just because I think it sounds better as an instrumental because you can, sometimes you don't really need words to get a, a feeling or a, an idea across. And they do a really good job with this song as an instrumental of portraying misery, you know. So definitely... Uh, a good song, I like it, I'll listen to it, I won't turn the, ch- the station or change the song if it's on shuffle, I'll listen to it all the way through, and uh, it's uh, one of those, uh, one of those uh, golden nuggets on the uh, the album that a lot of people might gloss over. And then lastly, on the album, is the song The Struggle Within by Hitfeld and Ulrich, and Basically, it's a song about being consumed about internal struggle and conflict. Um, and you see that a lot. You know, when there's a, some people, they just freeze up because of an internal co- conflict, an internal struggle. And that's what this song is about. Just over being able to overcome this internal struggle and conflict so it doesn't paralyze you with doubt or fear or anything else. Um good, you know, kind of kind of a good lyrical topic, poor execution, uh, so I give it a two. I, I'm, I'm indifferent about it. I don't like it. I don't dislike it. It's, it's, it's there. Let's put it that way. It's, it's good filler. Would I change the, the song if it came up on a random shuffle on my playlist or on my YouTube playlist? I don't know. It kind of depends on some of the other songs that have been around it. You know what I mean? If I'm um, going through the stations and there's songs I don't really like and finally I get to this song, yeah, I'll listen to it. But if I've been listening to a lot of songs I really like and I get to this one, I might skip over because it's like, eh, whatever. So I rank this song a two. Um, how do I rank this album overall in terms of giving it a grade or a critique? I'd give it a, a 3.2, basically 3.17, almost 3.2. So I like it but not quite enough to make it one of my favorite albums. Um, If I keep to the structure of the uh, one through four or zero through four um, rankings. 3.17, be like, I like it, but it's not one of my favorites. Um, When it comes to critique of this album, um, it's been considered to be their uh, radio-friendly song, as a lot of their songs were, are shorter than from previous albums. 
ranging from like three to five minutes rather than five plus minutes. So um, there's a little bit of, you know, negative critique around that, that they kind of sold out by making radio friendly songs that weren't uh, really long. Um, They also were kind of, you know, Metallica was also kind of critiqued as selling out because this album is really what helped them kind of go mainstream in music. They became a household uh, name, you know. Practically everybody knows who Metallica is. Regardless of whether you like the genre of music, as long as you pay attention to something in Meta- uh, something in music, some, you know, in the music industry, you know who Metallica is. Um, so they have definitely gone mainstream with this album. Became a household product. Kind of, you know, hit all the uh, Billboard charts all around the world. You know, I mean, this was like their breakthrough album. This is where they made it big time. So um, it's considered to be their. The album that they quote unquote sold out on uh, for that alone, just for making it big, but also for shortening their song lengths and also for changing up their their style. I mean, this is something that you can kind of see slowly progress because this song, this album sounds more of like a hard rock album than a, a, a thrash, a speed metal album. Uh, it's just, it's heavier and harder, you know. It, it's It's got a lot more Black Sabbath to it than Iron Maiden. Let's put it that way. Uh, Black Sabbath, Ozzy, that's kind of seen as more of like the, the bellowing, booming, just boom, 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 just hard rock pounding. Whereas Thrash, or just heavy metal in general, it's kind of seen more of like the really fast-paced uh, Iron Maiden type stuff, where it's not really about the, the big bass, booming, but all just the, the speed, the, the gallop of it, you know, a nice, strong, steady pace, you know, um, with a little bit of change-ups in pace here and there, you know, mixing in some of the, uh, the booming and the, uh, um, the heaviness of, uh, hard rock, you know, so, and this album, you know, yeah, sure, you can see that they definitely go more so hard rock than they do metal, um, and this is some. This is kind of a critique from Injustice for All as well. You can see that they were kind of 50-50 on being heavy metal and hard rock. But as this album, the the black album, you can definitely tell they're a little bit more hard rock. And so, a lot of people sit there and complain that uh, the black album is where they sold out, where Metallica sold out, because they went to more quote unquote mainstream hard rock music. You know the like the, the like the ACDC the you know the uh, um, Skid Rows you know that that kind of hard rock genre and so Metallica got a lot of crap for it for going more hard rock but in all reality from my opinion it just shows people that that Metallica can adjust their their style of music and still put out some real slappers you know I mean. It's, yeah, it's, it's not heavy metal, you know, that's that's for sure. But they still have some really great songs on this album, you know. It's not like they're going, like, pump, uh, pop music on this. I mean, they're not even going punk rock on this, you know. But, I mean, it's like, th- th- what this tells me is that they have a wide range of talents. They can, they can write, 
they are so musically talented that they can actually transcend musical genres and still put out good material. Hence why I I think they could even put out a pop album if they wanted to and they would still put out some good old belters, you know. That's how I that's how I think how uh um unique Metallica is is that they can transcend genres. Most artists can only stay in one genre. They kind of pigeonhole themselves into one one narrow lane. Not Metallica. And not other bands, too. There's other bands out there that can do the same thing. That Metallica isn't like the the, uh, the sole, you know, benefactor of this, this ability. Um, but I think this album really shows that they can write stuff that is very popular, that doesn't fit into the, the, the niche ideas of what it means to be Metallica or heavy metal, you know? They have a wide range of talents, and they are demonstrating that they can unleash it and still have us banging our heads, just like they did back in their early thrash metal days of their first album, Kill Mall or Ride the Lightning. You know, so I definitely think that they have a lot of talent. Even now today, they're still going at it. You know, um, they are still going at it, playing and writing stuff. And, uh, yeah, sure, um, Hetfield is just getting back from COVID, but he's coming back even stronger than ever, it looks like. I mean, it looks like he's barely missed a beat. So the, the, the question is, is can you really blame him for it? You know what I mean? Is this something... Can you blame them for continuing on and pushing the boundaries every single album saying, hey, yeah, we are the kings of heavy metal. But look at us go and do this now. Look at us go and rock out with hard rock. Look at us go and, as you will see in um, um, Load and Reload, watch us go and be influenced by even more variations of music, you know? Uh, There's a little bit of country that you see in Load and Reload. There's a little bit of... of, uh, you know, blues. And so they continue to add these other genres into their music. And that's what's really, I think, great about the uh, the band is they know how to infuse other genres of music into their music. I mean, they even bring in classical for S&M, you know, for their Symphony and Metallica album, uh, live concert album, you know, which isn't, they're not the first ones to do it. But to be fair, I mean, that is... That's pretty wild of them. That is pretty wild of them to be doing that. Um, I think it's great, to be honest. Um, and so I, I, I actually like this. I'm one of those select few Metallica fans that, that like that they do this. I like that they kind of switch it up now and then. They don't have to keep writing the same heavy metal brand of song every single album. Because they will just get old and repetitive after a while. So it's nice to see that they are able to go out there and get influenced by other genres of music, you know. Like I said, in Load, you'll see a lot more Western or country. Like that, that twang feel to it. You'll also see a lot more blues in there, too. So, um, 
when it comes to the album, I think overall, yeah, it's more hard rock. It's got that heavier bass, that bellowing boom to it than what you generally think of when you come to heavy metal. Because like I said, when it comes to heavy metal, it's generally a, a much, it's much more of a gallop, kind of how it's used to describe Iron Maiden, whereas the booming beat is, you know, like from Ozzy or Black Sabbath or ACDC. Yeah, that tends to be a little bit more um, hard rockish. So the fact that they can c- combine the two and know how to be fast, but also know how to be just booming. I think that says a lot about them. So definitely check it out. Um, Cause I really enjoy the album and check it out for yourself. See what you have to think about it. Uh, see which band, which songs you like on the album, whether it's based off of just their, their musical talent and then how they, you know, express themselves musically or the, the, the lyrics and the topics of the lyrics. Um, Either way, I think you will not be dis- disappointed in it. Uh, so that's my episode of the synopsis, uh, bringing you to the fifth installment for my critique of Metallica's albums, their their uh, their playlist, if you will. Um, so thanks for tuning in to the Detailing Mind, and uh, hope to get back with you in the next couple uh, weeks with uh, Load and Reload to round out the month of September. So uh, once again, thanks for tuning in, and I'll. Uh, Talk to you again soon.